Avast me hearties, heave to and prepare to be boarded. In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a blasted dope. Bring your pool, your oil, and your rope. And try not to go down in a heap to Davy Jones' locker. So my question for you, Rob, would be, you're looking for these other systems to, to do what you're looking to do. But, and you may have mentioned this, and, and you've alluded to it here and there in different places. Maybe do an episode on what you're not, not satisfied with in BX. You know, why why doesn't BX do what you want? You, you know, I'm, I'd be kind of curious. I, I know you've talked here and there about different things. and was Swords and Wizardry and the idea of some of these other classes and all that, but like the Paladins recently. But I, I'd be curious to know... Not that I'm saying you should use, you you shouldn't be looking for something else. But maybe if I, you know, maybe if we understood what what you didn't like with BX, it would give us more of a way to give you recommendations. You, you know what I mean? So I'd be curious to hear that. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful northeast minneapolis there at the top of the show we heard from jason from nerds rpg variety cast with a question that he had sent in a a week or two ago and i played in the last call in bonanza and just gave kind of a a really brief response to but as he suggested as a topic for an entire episode i thought it would yeah let's let's take a look at it what does have me feeling a little unsatisfied with classic D&D, whether that's BX or Swords and Wizardry or AD&D or whatever. Any, anything that's emulating the classic editions of the game and its ill-begotten offspring. Well, first, there's really nothing wrong with these games. I really enjoy these games. I love these games. And I've been playing them really since I they were my first games and have represented probably 95% of my game time as either a referee or player has been well certainly as a referee as a player maybe it's more like 90% has has been occupied playing games of this ilk and maybe that's the whole thing I'm just kind of ready for a change up it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with uh BX or Swords and Wizardry or whatever, Castles and Crusades, DCC. It's just that I'm kind of tired of the whole D&D model. And I have a lot of time at work where I'm just in production mode. Cut the cheese, wrap the cheese, price the cheese, set the cheese in the case answer a couple questions from customers, rinse and repeat. And that gives me a lot of downtime to just be sitting there kind of in a zen state. And my mind often turns to gaming, and I'm usually thinking about games I've played, what I'd like to do, 
rules, how I'd maybe change those things. And I've been kind of thinking in that same language, if you think of role-playing, a role-playing game system as a language, I've been thinking in classic D&D language pretty much my entire creative gaming career. And it might be uh, a little bit of a jolt to my brain or, <laughs> or something to try and learn a new language. I don't know. But I have gotten a little bit bored with thinking in that same old language. And, uh, you know, whether or not I actually do try something new or, I mean, I've often thought about, <clears throat> excuse me, playing Stormbringer with the, the BRP system based around the Young Kingdoms of uh, the Elric books by Michael Moorcock and, uh, and trying to emulate that kind of setting and feel. And that certainly is on my short list of games I eventually want to play. But the real creative itch I have is for creating a, a game that's mine and designed for my group. It's really, I don't think... You can look all over, and maybe you'll find a game that comes close or closer to fitting your preferences. But ultimately, I think almost every game needs to be tweaked, unless you're just really not fussy about system, which is cool. If, you, if you're happy with the system you're playing, by all means, keep playing it, right? But if you're not, I think... Uh, I think the best route you can take if you have the time and the ambition and just are feeling in a creative mood is to to take some of the things that you like about other things and your own ideas and cobble together a system that's specifically for you and your group. You can direct me to all kinds of other games and yeah, I'll maybe look at them and stuff, but Ultimately, I think it's it's just more it would be more rewarding for me if it came out of my melon or at least <laughs> putting the pieces together in in my own specific way uh, would make a more rewarding game. But that all that being said, there's a, a good chance I'll just keep playing classic D and D. Well. I know I'll keep playing it, whether or not I'll, I'll keep running it. Or if I finally get off the pot and try something new. Because that's, uh, you know, a, a definitely a, um, a more challenging approach. But enough, enough with a blather and answer Jason's question already, right? So, but... That's part of it, is I'm, I'm a little bit tired of the, the classic D&D setup. The class, level, in some cases species, um, 3 to 18 stats that, unless you're using a roll-under mechanism to resolve some things, doesn't mean anything except for a modifier it gives or some kind of adjustment to some other game mechanic like your chance to know a spell or your chance to survive a resurrection spell or something. And, it, you know, having the same kind of classic fantasy setting 
with elves and dwarves and orcs and goblins and dragons and giants and all that. Um, I'm just uh, a little bit tired of it. And I know you can adapt uh, all kinds of things to fit in your classic D&D game. You don't have to be stuck using the monsters out of the, out of the BX game or the monster manual or whatever. You can make up your own, and it's, it's really easy to make up your own monsters for the game system that you've mas- mastered. So that really isn't the biggest issue. But I do find myself always doing house rules, right? Because there are things about these old game systems that I, I'm not satisfied with. And I went over, if you listen to the whole BX deep dive, I probably mentioned a lot of them as I went through it. One is the hiccups. Built into the old systems are these spots where as a modifier to your to hit roll or to your saving throws it's not a flat linear progression you have these jumps where you go from having no adjustment to your attack roll to at fourth level suddenly you're plus two or no adjustments to your saving throws and then at fourth level they improve by two or at sixth level just depending on what class you are and it's a small beef and it's fairly easily fixed by just saying at X level you're plus one and at the next plateau you're plus two and and making it a, a linear progression. And some of the retro clones and OSR games have done that. So that's, again, kind of an easy fix, but it is one of my issues with the, the rules as written. Some of the other things that are just baked into D&D are a little bit trickier to deal with. Vancey and Magic, for instance, it's something that, while it's okay, it's not the approach I really enjoy. I think it really nerfs Magic users. It's, more than anything, it takes the desire to take just kind of utilitarian spells or atmospheric kind of spells out of the game because if you can only memorize one spell or you can only memorize you know two or three spells and you have attack and defense spells at your disposal most players are going to take those spells in order to keep help keep their character alive and to help their party overcome the adversaries they face in their exploration of dungeons and the wilderness and stuff. The utilitarian spells can be handy in specific situations and used cleverly can sometimes be used to help like evade monsters or to scout out locations or whatnot. But in general, they're employed more when you are in that mode, when you're in scout recon mode or when you're trying to gather information about you know what loot you've you've got you know is there magic um, if you know that there's a uh, a door that you can, can't bypass well okay I'll take the I'll take a knock spell instead of invisibility or whatever or mirror image um, but 
the having the the memorization aspect i think really limits the potential of magic users and the spells um in classic D&D BX swords and wizardry are more potent than their in general than the, the same spells in like AD&D they often have a much longer duration or they might have a, a larger scope. For instance, uh, a charm spell in Swords and Wizardry puts the person entirely in your power, whereas in later editions, it's just that the person regards the caster as like a close confidant or friend. Having, having them actually become a thrall under your power is a lot more effective. And speaking of the spells, I'm just kind of, I'm a little bit tired of the same old spells. Because they, you know, throughout the editions, they've maybe changed uh, how things operate a little bit within each spell. You know, like Magic Missile might operate a little differently, or Fireball, or Phantasmal Force, or whatever. But they're still the same spells with the same gist of them. It's the same spell lists, maybe expanded a little bit. And I'm just, yeah, it's become a little bit tired of having the, the same things. And the same idea of magic, too. And some of you might be screaming at me, well, Rob, you dope. Part of the reason you're bored with it is you never get to higher level to have access to some more interesting spells like fly or dimension door or polymorph or whatever, disintegrate. But, you know, you can, we use spells like that. You can find them on scrolls and stuff, so it's not like they're not available in the game just because you're playing a low-level game. They're just not as readily available. And it all depends really on how the referee views their campaign setting and the prevalence of magic in it. So, abstract combat is something that isn't, you know, a given in D&D. If for no other reason, when you look at the length of time that a round takes. In BX, it's 10 seconds. In AD&D, it's a minute. And those, some of them are, you know, that, that seems to be what most retro clones in OSR games, they're either like a 10-second round or a minute round. And either one is a really long time. I mean, watch a, a football game and see all the stuff that's going on. And I don't know what the average length of a play in the NFL is, but it's certainly not a minute. And I'd, I'd be surprised if from when the ball is snapped until the play ends, if any of them are really, unless it's a really long play, like a long yardage gain or something. Not many of them will exceed 10 seconds. So there's this implication that there's all this stuff going on, but you're only making, in general, one, like, attack roll or something. So you, the, the implication is that you're making all these thrusts and parries, and, and your hit points are kind of abstract as well, at least in the damage-dealing end. Hit point loss doesn't mean anything until you're at zero hit points. 
There's no debilitating effects. It's all kind of abstract. Is it your combat ability? Is it your luck? Is it your actual physical stamina and ability to withstand damage or deal with damage? I don't know. Probably all the above. Because it's a binary effect until you're at zero hit points. You're either fully operational or you're unconscious or dead. But then on the opposite end of the thing, in hit point recovery, it suddenly becomes more simulationist. Because in BX, irregardless of what your level is or what your class is, you're just recovering a D3 of hit points for a full day of rest. In AD&D, it's just one hit point. In Swords and Wizardry, it's just one hit point per day. And that places an emphasis on having a character in the party that can use magical healing. Boom, boom, boom. Enter the religious nut, because that's pretty much what you have to have in every D&D party. Unless you're having a setting with um, with a lot of magic, with healing potions or healing scrolls or uh, a staff of healing or, you know, devices that can be used. But... But then again, a lot of these things, too, are only operational in the hands of a cleric. So to recover an appreciable amount of hit points in a short amount of time, you're reliant upon having a cleric or a druid or a paladin. And even a paladin doesn't have much oomph to their healing. And the party quickly outstrips the capabilities of the cleric anyway. Once you're at third level and characters are in the teens and maybe even low 20s of hit points and your party gets beat up in an encounter and collectively your five characters are down uh, 30 hit points or, or more, the, the capability of the cleric to just get them back on their feet is severely curtailed. It's going to take multiple days of rest to recover these hit points, which, when they're given and taken, are really abstract, but when they're recovered, are now kind of simulationist. So it's it's a setup that certainly works. We play with it all the time, right? And And it's solvable to some degree, too. You can just increase the natural healing rate and... Uh, and fix that. Um, but but it does seem like uh, if you don't do that, then you're to the setup where you have to have a care a religious type of character. And not there's you know a lot of people don't really like playing the religious character. And you could also just Im- import uh, you know say that magic users can cast uh, healing magic as well and get rid of the need for the cleric. Or you can really downplay the, the whole religious aspect and just say your cleric is a servant of some more abstract power. It's not a god or goddess that you serve or a pantheon. It's the power of law or the power of chaos or some elemental force or something that you're not really out proselytizing for or uh, making sacrifices to or something. You're just, you're just a conduit for their power, 
for some reason. So you can make it abstract or whatever, but I don't think many people do that. The classes are a strength and a weakness in D&D for me. I like the idea of archetypes, and if you're going to play D&D, I guess I prefer the older uh, versions where you have a specialty based around the archetype of your class. If you're a fighter, you're going to be the best at fighting in your group. If you're a thief, you're the only one that can go up and pick a lock or climb a sheer surface or sneak up silently and backstab someone. If you're a wizard, you're the a magic user, you're the only one that can cast a lot of these spells and use these very specific magic items. And if you're a cleric, you're the only one that can turn undead and cast healing magic and some of these protective wards and stuff. So it's very much an archetype game, and it even kind of boils into some of the species in the game, too. But on the other hand, that's kind of a weakness in some ways, too, because it creates situations where if you want to have a well-rounded party, someone's got to play the cleric. Someone's generally got to play the fighter and got to play the magic user. And I I really am kind of becoming more drawn to games that have a classless system where it's more of a a la carte kind of thing where you can mix and match various powers to make um, more more, uh, nuanced characters. So, I guess... Oh, and I guess uh, the other thing about D&D games is the level caps are, in general, if there are any, they're very high. (laughs) In BX, there's real... I mean, the rules themselves only go up to 14th level, and then demi-humans have 8, 10, and 12th level caps, respectively. In AD&D, I don't know, is there a limit... 36th maybe and that's what it was in beck me um swords and wizardry doesn't seem to have any level cap uh fifth edition D, it's 20th level but irregardless you get to up to certain levels I'll, I'll say even at fifth level your character is a bit of a superhero in <clears throat> relation to what ordinary humanity is your character is a superhero. And when you start even getting to more middling, 7th, 8th, ninth level, your character be- starts becoming super heroic in relation to what would be terrible dangers to a 1st level or 2nd, 3rd level party. Ogres, or bugbears, or uh, ghouls and stuff like that become kind of things to just brush aside when you're at that level. So you truly are starting to become like superheroes, and the only thing that can threaten you are the the most powerful of monsters. And I'm just not interested in superhero games. So that's why our games typically never progress beyond fifth level when I'm running them. 
So I guess I'd rather just uh, play a game that has the power curve ramped down where the the very the maximum kind of effect you're ever going to get is what might be the equivalent of a 7th, 5th level character in D&D. I want those goblins to be um, potential dangers even to your high-level characters without resorting to things like, well, they all have save-or-die poison on their weapons or something. Um, I mean, you can... (laughs) Sure, you can make goblins and kobolds and stuff uh, a potential danger to to high-level characters by doing stuff like that, but um, that's kind of warping the intent, I think, a little bit. And there are just things in D&D that are, are not discussed very well. They're kind of hand-waved. And it would be interesting, I think, for players to have the capabilities or more specific capabilities of enchanting items or creating potions or poisons or something like that. And with all this stuff, yeah, you can make a new lit, sl- uh, slate of spells for BX and Swords and Wizardry. You can make a new sl- slate of monsters. But on some level, it's the game system itself that I'm a little bit either jaded with or tired of or whatever. So I am kind of uh, tinkering around with the game system that I alluded to. Uh, based around like the maze rats base mechanic using some of the ideas from Knave's um, levelless spells and some of the other concepts from Best Left Buried and Into the Odd, and we'll see what comes out the other end. If when I have a beta version of it, I'll let you guys know. If Jose is cool with it, I'll maybe post it the beta at in the Audio Dungeon Discord somewhere in the Master's Chamber or Design Talk channel or something. Or you could always just drop me a line and say, hey, email me the, the beta. I'd like to take a look at it. And I certainly don't expect anyone to be interested in this other than the people I'm playing with. But um, if I do get around to completing it, and um, I'd, I'd appreciate feedback from people. So... Anyway, I hope I kind of answered some of your questions, Jason. It's just, uh, I'm kind of tired of things. Like, uh, on some level, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be rolling three dice six to determine an attribute just to find out if you have a plus one or a minus one on something. (laughs) Right? I mean, other than using that attribute for some other thing that you make up, like a roll under mechanic or something. You can make it work. We all make it work. Um... But maybe it would just be easier to uh, to say you have a, a plus one in strength or a plus two. And there's also the pesky attributes. You know, I'm not a big fan of surrogate stats that replace the player's own intellect. Something like intelligence or charisma. And the need... Or, or feeling obligated to play up to or down to that stat, or using that stat as uh, a replacement for role-playing, 
know, trying to persuade the guard. Instead, oh, make a charisma check instead of actually trying to persuade them with your own uh, oiled tongue. But uh, I know that's something that some view as a, a plus to a game. You can you can play a game and and uh, play a character that isn't like you, or some people like playing uh, the abrasive kind of uncharismatic character or the the dope. But playing a genius when you're not that's tricky. That requires the DM to kind of step in and give you added information and stuff or having you make a roll to see if your character would actually know it when you, the player, haven't figured it out. I don't know. I'd rather leave that behind and come up with attributes that um, are maybe more pointed or less abstract. Anyway, I've prattled on long enough. Hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the call in the episode suggestion, Jason. And until I talk to you again, don't go down in a heap. My strength has returned. My wounds have healed. Thanks to Ariel's magic. Nothing to it. It's all in the wrist. Time to go, Ariel. Goodbye, Ariel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.